become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 18 of Macabre Misfortunes. Yeah! Hello everybody! So Tracy, we all in the United States have heard of the Cleveland Clinic. They yes. and the Mayo Clinic are the two biggest mm -hmm. medical clinics uh, in the United States as far as specializing work and, you know, different types of uh, grants that they get and all this. So if you need a specialist, top of the line, you go to one of those two places. Well, it's obviously in Cleveland, Ohio, and it's well known as one of the top line medical centers in the U.S. And as far as the Cleveland Clinic, it's one of the top cardiac centers in the world. Oh, that's awesome. Nice to know we have one that close. Yeah. It's a nonprofit organization, and it was started in 1921 by four physicians. Oh, very cool. I didn't know that. What you may not know. Besides that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but what you may not know is there was a horrible incident that happened in this four-story building on Wednesday, May 15th, 1929. You guys are going to learn a lot today. All right. I'm interested. It was a busy day. With all the doctors and the nurses and tending to their patients. Now, this was an outpatient facility. Okay. So there were no rooms like that no, with okay. beds and stuff like that. Everybody there had surgical, outpatient surgical procedures going on. Some say there was as many as 250 people, doctors, patients, nurses, staff, all that, in the building at the time. That's when a steam leak was discovered in the basement. No big deal, right? It's a steam leak. We'll just get it fixed. Well, you wouldn't think that would be a big deal, but the basement is where all of the x-rays were stored. Oh, that's not good. 4,200 pounds of x-rays, approximately 10,000 of them altogether. Oh, that sucks. Now, at 9 a.m., a steam fitter began the repair of the leak. He stripped some of the insulation off of the steam pipe. He then left the area to turn off the steam so that the pipes could cool down so he could do the repair safely. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Around 11 a.m., he returned to the basement and slash x-ray room, I guess you could say, to find a cloud of yellowish-brown gas. The gas was coming from a small fire that hadn't been ignited on some of the x-ray film. So some oh. of this film caught on fire. Okay. It's never been exactly determined how the fire started, but it's assumed that a light bulb that had nothing on it, it was just a bare light bulb hanging from a, a mm. long cord. So no covering. No covering, okay. no nothing. They think that this light bulb got too close to uh, some of the film, and that's what started the fire. There are some other possible causes that we'll discuss a little bit later. Now, this was a huge deal because... Back in the days, and then early 20s, when these x-rays were being stored there, 
X-ray film was made out of nitrocellulose film, which was A, highly flammable, but even more important, it produces a poisonous gas and cannot be put out with water. Well, how interesting is that? In fact, if you submerge it in water, it would only increase the amount of poisonous gas it puts off. Oh, whoa. So the repairman comes in and... He tries to put up the small fire with a fire extinguisher. But there were several other small explosions that started happening all around, so he was forced to leave. He and the maintenance man, who had been working at a different part of the basement in the mechanical room, he started, they started to warn everybody about the fire, right? Well, the burning x-rays quickly produced a significant amount of poisonous gas, which then openly spread throughout the entire building via the pipes that were in the mechanical room. Okay. The third floor had a door that was held open by a foot latch, so the fog was uh, exceptionally thick on the third floor. The people who inhaled the fumes were dead in a matter of minutes. Their faces turned yellowish-brown as they suffocated. Of course, the fire department, unaware of the problem with the water and the nitrocellulose films complicated matters when they started hosing down the building to put out the fire. Oh, gosh, because they didn't know. No, they didn't know any difference. Plus, uh, the solution, I can't remember what they call it now, that you dip the x-rays in, that's like a brown and yellowish thing, too. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. You, I mean, you were dealt with yeah. it before, but I, <clears throat> I don't know. But, and I don't know if that was the same procedure back then or right, not. Right, right. But anyway, the firemen actually, this raised the death toll oh, man. by them hosing everything down. The gas that the films produced were made up of phosgene, carbon monoxide, nitric oxide, and methyl chloride. Now, we mentioned that there was a light bulb that may have caused the fire. That was the main thought here. But there were two other theories. Some people think that the actual hot steam might have somehow made some of these films catch on fire just because of the heat. It just seems like it would take an awful lot for a light bulb to make those things catch on fire. Well, if it actually touched the film or something. I mean, and you're mm-hmm. talking about a light bulb from 1920s. Yeah. They were probably pretty damn hot. Well, that's I guess that's true. So it could have been the steam. There's also a thought that it's possible that a lit cigarette could have been the cause. A formal review by the National Board of Fire Underwriters said that any of the three causes is something that could have been likely, and it's very credible. It could have been any three, but they were leaning towards the light bulb. Mm -hmm. And I've actually seen a picture of after the fire damage, and you can see the wire and the light bulb, and it's hanging pretty damn low. Oh, Yeah, so I can see why they probably think that Mm -hmm. based on what Mm -hmm. they saw afterwards. So around 11.30 a.m., there was a major explosion. And we know this because there was a clock on the third floor balcony that actually stopped at that time. So we know exactly when the time was. After the hollow portion of the building was filled with poisonous gas, another large explosion shattered a skylight at the peak of the the building's atrium. Now, the skylight explosion was kind of a mixed blessing. On the bad side, the force of the explosion sent the gas throughout the entire clock. Yeah, kind of make it spread. 
But on the good side, it gave a huge opening for the gas to escape. Unfortunately, many of the victims perished in the stairways trying to exit the clinic before this happened. Yeah, but what if the gas escaped? What does it lose its potent or something? Yeah, because it's going to go straight up. Okay. So you didn't really have to worry about the people outside then. Right. The first alarm hit the fire department after the explosion at 1130 a.m. on the third floor. The initial group of responding fire department crew called in two other units to battle, help them battle the blaze. They said the gas was so thick when they got there that you couldn't even see in the windows. But did they finally realize, though, them adding water I'm made not, it worse? I'm, I'm not sure because mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think they actually did. It wasn't until the second large explosion, the one that blew out the, the skylight, that the gas began to dissipate where they could actually see in through the windows. This is when the fire department actually realized how many people were still in the building once they could see in. They couldn't see before. They had no no way of knowing. By 1.15, the fire was extinguished and the building was empty. 123 people lost their lives this day. Remember we said there was might have been as many as 250 in there. Yeah. But so basically half of them died. What a freak thing to happen. With 92 people suffering non-fatal injuries. And a lot of these injuries, like I said, even just a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds of breathing mm-hmm. this in caused some permanent lung damage on people. Some of these people didn't die until like four and five weeks later. Man. So they'd all didn't die instantly. That is so crazy. And there was a woman up on the third floor. She busted out a window and she was going to try to jump out. So the fire department went and got you know something for her to be able to jump on. Uh-huh. But before she could do that, she passed out and fell into the building. Aww. There was a 30-year-old police officer by the name of Ernest Staff. He was a true hero. He kept going in and out of the buildings. Or in and out of the building. That's only one building. He kept going in and out, bringing people out. He brought 21 people out before he succumbed and died himself. Bless but his he heart. saved 21 people. Wow. He is definitely a hero. Despite the heavy loss of life, there was relatively a small amount of property damage, about $50,000 worth, which would have been about $800,000 today. Mm-hmm. Investigators ruled that the Cleveland Clinic was not at fault for the fire. And this is because they actually had done everything the way they were supposed to by what they knew back then. This is how x-rays were stored yeah. everywhere. So I don't know if they could have said, well, and they couldn't really prove that it was the, the light or since they didn't have real proof of what caused it, mm-hmm. they really couldn't put the blame on them because the rest of the stuff was done according to the way everybody else had done it back then. The disaster was, however, responsible for significant changes to firefighter techniques. The city of Cleveland actually issued gas masks to all their firefighters and they proposed a city ambulance service, which they didn't have before that. Nice. On a national level, this prompted medical facilities to establish a standard for storing nitrocellulose film and other hazardous materials. So it did actually improve a lot of stuff nationwide. Some historians have argued that the Cleveland Clinic fire was also the reason that non-flammable, non-toxic refrigerants such as chlorofluorocarbon, was developed. 
Did they wear masks before this happened? The gas mask? The fire department? Yeah. No. So this was new for them too. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, most of the deaths that were um, from actually breathing the carbon monoxide and the nitrous oxide and not the methyl chloride. So the the the, the new uh, chlorofluorocarbon was developed, but that really wasn't a major problem. But it did prompt uh, a new refrigerant, which was actually better in the day. Oh, that's good. Shame I had to take something like that to figure it out. Yeah. Even at the time of this disaster, chemical companies were aware of the hazards of the chemicals used in the refrigerants that were being done. Mm. So, how about that? Wow, that's that's a freaky thing to happen. Isn't that a freaky thing to happen? Yeah. And nobody had a clue. Nobody had a clue. I mean, just business as usual. Could have happened in any medical facility in the country. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's really sad all those people died and everything, but at least they figured it out and moved forward for protection for things that go on today. Well, I mean, I mean, and that's the whole thing. That's just like the uh, the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire mm-hmm. in Northern Kentucky. I mean, most of the fire uh, safety uh, rules and regulations that are around the country now in, in, in you know, uh, I guess you could say a corporate environment yeah. or commercial buildings, all were because of the tragedy that went on in that fire. Yeah, that was a horrible, horrible thing. So every time there is one of those things, hopefully something's learned. Yeah, hopefully. All right, so I always try to share something with you, like a crazy fact. Mm-hmm. And this is one that should hit close to home. <laughs> well, you said crazy, so that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Worrying appears to be the strongest predictor of nightmares. People who are bigger warriors have the worst nightmares. <sighs> So what do you think about Bingo. that? I agree with that. So. And it's awful when you can't just turn your brain off and go to sleep. No, and it's like I was telling somebody the other day that we're talking about their bad dreams. You know, I was always taught that you think of positive things before you go to bed and you're more apt to have positive dreams or to even dream about whatever you were thinking about before you go to bed. Yeah. You know, and but if you're thinking about negative stuff, that's probably what you're going to dream about. That's true. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's the last thing you think of before you close your eyes for the night. It's not just one thing, though. It's a thousand things that make. I'm like, why am I even thinking about that? It's really. It is hard sometimes to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, I'm like that, but it's usually after I wake up. If I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, it's like, hey, we got some catching up to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) right. I don't know. Anyways, that wraps it up for this one. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate y'all.